Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host, Ryan, here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find the Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6Nerds5. Aw, man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. podcast unofficially the official podcast at denver comic-con we are your number one source for the latest news the latest reviews and movies every week we go see a new movie this week we went and saw hercules starring the rock well actually dwayne johnson but he you know he used to be the rock hi brad hey ryan how's it going good how are you i'm trying to keep all my stuff that i got to do together yeah did you finish uh James isn't here. His brother got married this week, and uh, I was at the wedding. It was a nice wedding. Congratulations, Jake. So he didn't get left to the altar, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) His wife actually is one of the first people I saw at the wedding, so we knew we were safe. Um, So congratulations to Jake and Leanne. I wish you a lifetime of happiness. So James has family stuff going on this weekend. I told him, fuck family, but... I know, right? I bet he's decided he was going to stay. Movies are more important. Totally. Especially ones directed by Brett Ratner. I know. And starring Dwayne Johnson. Stay tuned for her review of Hercules. Uh, hey, how's your? Uh, did you finish your movie this week? Oh no, I thought you had only one more day of according shooting. To, yeah, according to that's what I mean. You just yeah. finished shooting it. No, it's uh, August 9th. We're shooting that that scene. Yeah, and we have an issue where one of the actors doesn't want to. Like we already shot his stuff, but based on our new location, we'd like to reshoot it. Doesn't want to reshoot it, and he doesn't want to reshoot it. So nice. Now I'm like, oh great. Well, it makes the movie less awesome. Actors. Yeah, well, he's not really an actor, but... <laughs> Actors make everything a pain in the ass. But, I mean, if he's acting in the movie, he's technically an actor. They're just divas, dude. <laughs> you know that. I'm an actor. I know. I, I worked with the best, or the worst. <laughs> <laughs> the best. Thank you. I got rave reviews about my work I put into season one of Real Nerd Spot Show. Yeah? Yes. Jonathan Tiersten told me I'm a very natural actor. Nice. And that's a real actor, so fuck all you people who don't <laughs> think I am. It's really interesting when you... When you see yourself, though, and you watch, I mean, I don't know how many times I've watched the pod show, you know, leading up to Comic-Con. I, I think I watched every episode seven times. Yeah. Because um, we had to proof the DVD. Yeah, we just had to proof it. I mean, that's fine. But uh, but as you watch it, there's just some things just to make you cringe mm-hmm. as an actor. And everybody else is, um, likes it. There, there's a scene in the, the second episode where you say, look at my finger or something along the lines of that. And I hate how I said it and I hate how it comes across, but I've had many people come up to me and say, that's really funny. Yeah. So I guess it's just, I think it's just your own insecurities about it, even though there are plenty of other takes I could have used, but yeah, I agreed that was the best one. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's fine. It's just, you know, just as an actor, just seeing it is, it's weird. Um, and you know, I was reading an interview with Gary Oldman and he basically said the same thing. He says, I really don't like seeing myself and I don't think I'm very good in anything when everybody knows that 
I mean, Gary Oldman's a great actor, but it, it is fascinating. If, and if you don't think you're good at it, like, why do you keep doing it then? Like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, just for the paycheck? <laughs> of course, dude. I but you had, to, you had to start out not getting good paychecks. So like, yeah. at that point, wouldn't you have noticed, like, I don't like seeing myself on in I movies, think, so I should just not do this. I think a lot of times actors like to be accepted, and they want to be have the recognition because so a lot Gary of, Oldman's just fishing for compliments. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot <laughs> of times, uh, in in my uh, experience as an actor and with actors, I mean, this isn't me personally because I'm not a professional, so I don't care. But when you're in theater and stuff, people really want that recognition. They want that instant gratification. They want to know that they're, you know, thought of that way. And most of the time, actors aren't the star athletes. They're not. Besides the rock, but <laughs> but for the most part, they're you know just people that just work really hard at a craft, and it is fascinating that they are they're always looking for approval. Yeah. It's like they're the they're the step kid, and they want their stepdad to like them, so they do whatever they can to and their appease stepdad's them. the rest of the world. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so they get beat really. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's good that you're uh, almost done shooting. Yeah, I mean, at, well, there's a bunch of like non actory stuff to shoot like backgrounds and b-roll stuff and uh some uh effects to do so that sucks but trying to get Getting that there. october Getting release there, date huh? done yeah we're it's trying we're trying to have the dvd ready to go there too so that people are you gonna have a dvd release it. for it too yeah at the are you doing a, just a dvd or a blu-ray blu-ray sorry oh, yeah. blu-ray only blu-ray only Sweet. maybe dvd we'll see are you gonna how, how much are you gonna be selling them for do you know yet uh are you gonna see how much it's gonna Maybe like time and 10 stuff. or 15. It's not bad. Based on what I know, how much it costs to actually physically produce it. So. Are you going to have extras like you did on the pod show? or Not as many, because obviously it's you know yeah. it's not six episodes of something. but uh, And we didn't have like people around shooting like what we were doing. Gotcha. So it's really, it's sparse. I mean, we'll well, probably have like a slideshow of photographs, because everyone took photographs, you know. Well, I hope you do a set. commentary with Adam. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Well, try to get as many people from the... Um, production to be on commentary as possible. Yeah, you know, just because I, I mean we've known Adam for so long and you know, yeah. as a friend, and uh, watching some of the stuff that you've produced uh, with him uh, just for this thing, I won't tell anybody what I've seen, but I've seen a couple scenes, and it's uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah. And uh, speaking of, uh, we shot a new little like viral campaign video for it that's going to premiere on Tuesday. It was was that the night. stuff you put on your uh, feed with him in a wheelchair? Yeah, that, nice. that was just an excerpt of like. Between people showing up and leaving, we were just kind of goofing around. Nice. I uh, just captured that moment. Um, but yeah, we th- we did this commercial. This um, it's it's going to screen, but then we're going to hold on to it until the re- theater release date for the actual movie. Cool. So you won't see it online like the next day. So if you don't go see it Tuesday, you'll have to wait like two months. <laughs> Very. I know cool. what that's about. So yeah, so go see Open Screen Night Tuesday at the Oriental. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Support local filmmaking. Who's hosting it this week? Uh, it's Month. the three-year anniversary. So Nate, uh, who's in episode yeah, yeah. three of the pod He's show, mayonnaise. yeah, mayonnaise. He um he and Ben used to host it together, but uh I'm, I'm sure I'm, uh, I'm not sure Ben's doing it. So it's probably just gonna be Nate and then Eileen, uh, Will, who was one of the Ghost Trappers. They're both gonna be judges, and then some other comedian. Very cool. Yeah. So if you got a film, bring it in too. Three years. Wow. Five bucks, huh? Time goes by so fast. Yeah, and I was I wasn't there for the first one and a half of it. So, and look at it now. You've helped it grow and <laughs> put really cool. I know slides it's grown in. so much. Well, you know, I mean, I've been only to a few, but each one I go to seems to get a little better. Um, we've had a lack of content lately. That's why. Mm. 
people haven't been submitting things, so we've been padding shows. But yeah, but also, you know, this is a great opportunity for you if you've put some, maybe you only have a couple scenes of a movie together and you want to see people's reactions to them. It's a great place to entry and it's only five bucks. I mean, and you can win prizes too. So, you know, it's good to get it out in front of an audience. And I mean, I know from personal experiences when we did our pod show, you know, you never know if it's going to be funny. You don't know if it's going to succeed. And it, it is really gratifying having audiences laugh at it and do well. I mean, and it did so well that we had our own panel at Denver Comic Con. So make sure that you never know where it can lead to. So if you have a little student film and you're you're not sure if you have anything, just bring it there. You know, and the, there'll be some criticism maybe, but they'll also help you get better. So just give it a shot. It's worth it if you're a filmmaker trying to break it in. Break it in. Yeah, be- <laughs> yeah, to break in because not only I mean yeah, there's comedians, but you know Eileen's a filmmaker, and so you get constructive criticism besides all the little jabs, of course. So I, I highly recommend if you're a filmmaker and you're having trouble distributing your little short or you don't know how to, you know, show it to everybody, just bring it there because you're putting it in front of an audience. You're putting it on a big screen, which is really cool too in itself. So and it's cheap. It's five bucks plus. You could win something. I, I, I highly recommend independent filmmakers to do it. Yep. The only cap is has to be shorter than fifteen minutes. Yeah. Don't don't give us anything. Don't give us anything sixteen minutes because we will not. We're strict. Yeah, and that's There's just only because hundred minutes in the show to do like to fill up. So exactly. So that's just because you guys are on a time constraint. So mm-hmm. just make sure that you. You well, know, like I said, attendance has been low, so <laughs> your chances of getting it in are pretty easy. So definitely do it. Definitely do it. Ready to start the show? Yeah, I think so. Hope you keep it up. Can't wait to see the finished product. That's what she said. That's <laughs> what she said. <laughs> Every week, my favorite segment is fan mail. Fan mail! When we have it. <laughs> we always have it. Sometimes I just screen it. <laughs> if it's not good, I don't read it. So On air. So make sure when you write stuff that it's profound. That's not cool. <laughs> hey, hey, it's my show. Hey, I'm ch- I'm trying to inspire people. What about our friends who don't know how to write? <laughs> you know what? They should learn. Look at my dog right there. My dog is sleeping next to me on the couch with his like tongue hanging out. He looks dead. He does look dead, but he, his stomach's moving, so oh. he's yeah, all right. He only has one. There's oh. like a worm inside it. You know, he is dead, <laughs> and that worms are growing. You know, if you do want to see Reggie, you can order Real Nerds Pod Show Season <laughs> 1 on Blu-ray. Uh, how many of those do we have left? Not very many. We have a very limited supply of them yeah. left, so make sure of you. Of course, there's only one left. Be the first, yeah. last one, last one to get it. So email like us at realnerds at gmail dot com if you'd like it, and we can tell you how you can get a copy. Um, this is from Cora. Cora has finally emailed us. I know. After years, thought she was our biggest fan. I know. Hmm. Maybe we're just not good anymore. <laughs> uh, her headline is Snowpiercer and other graphic things. Hi. Finally have something less generic to email you about. That's not how she talks about <laughs> I'm so glad that you reviewed Snowpiercer. We rented it on Amazon Instant this week. Totally recommend it for people who like weird movies. It did feel somewhat foreign to me. She put in quotation marks. Um, not like, I don't understand it, that it has a foreign feel to it. It does. But we spent more time trying to figure out the big picture than noticing the out-of-place things. Really appreciate Really appreciate Why can't I talk? I really appreciate it when you don't all agree on movies. Oh, we never agree on movies. Especially in, in two weeks when we see Ninja Turtles. It's going to be the best movie of the summer. You guys are going to like it just to spite me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we can't stop thinking about this movie. I also agree with the infinite cockroaches. And Michael didn't think it, that it was a big deal. 
So she's agreeing with Brad. Uh, if you listened to the show Butt Piercer last night, <laughs> I mean last week, I, I saw I was just laughing my ass off. Um, <laughs> so Brad yeah. was wondering how all these cockroaches could be on there that they're feeding the people, and me and Michael and James, eh, whatever, doesn't matter. They're eating bugs, but you know some people can't get past it. Brad and Cora, I I, I got past it. I just you know it's, it's just one of those things that like stops you from paying attention to the narrative, and you're like analyzing how things work it just i don't think that's a good combination like to get people through a movie yeah so yeah i mean there's obviously i, I think you have to kind of throw logic out though when you have a train speeding around the world i mean you mm-hmm. just it, it's some yeah i agree i'm not saying that you're wrong with it i yeah. just didn't really care that much and I, i'm i'm all for like like you don't have to have a logical movie you just have to like make people not notice it like spielberg is the master of like like discontinuity and mm-hmm. uh, like things that don't make sense, but you forget about it mm-hmm. somehow. So unless you're like a really big nitpicker, but yeah. So that's what I'm saying is like Snowpiercer. I would have the time to stop and think gotcha. about it, you know. But yeah, you know, I think maybe the biggest. I, I really like Snowpiercer, and I'll probably own it. Mm. But I think its biggest issue is maybe the pacing of the movie. Uh, yeah, because you know the one thing with Spielberg, even if you can say you know lost the. The Last Crusade has, like, laps in logic. It's so entertaining that you kind of just forget about it. Yeah, one of the biggest things in Jurassic Park is the fact, like, when the, the T-Rex is crushing the Ford Explorer, mm-hmm. and the T-Rex paddock is just, like, right across the other side of the fence, but suddenly, the way that pans out, it's suddenly, like, this 100-foot drop yeah. off the side. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, you know, my biggest thing with... I think I've said this before on the podcast with Jurassic Park is the aftermath of the T-Rex is I think there's a scene missing because... When Doctor Sadler comes and she sees Ian Malcolm in the the uh, restroom underneath all the bamboo, she picks him up and puts him in the jeep, and they're you know above the paddock. They're like on the outside, and then the next shot is them running away from the T Rex, like in Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. So it's a really weird yeah. edit there. And then the end, like when they're trying to escape the raptors inside the visitor center, mm-hmm. then the T Rex is just there, yep. and no one reacts to it. And then where did the T Rex actually get into? Like what hole? Yeah, it's it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned that. Have you watched the making of it? Uh, probably. Have you heard Steven Spielberg talk about that part? Uh, I guess not. It's great. He says, you know, when I was making Jaws, people said, wait a minute, you're going to shoot a gun at a tank and the shark's going to explode? He said, hey, if they believe a, sh- a great white shark can attack people, then they're going to believe that. I apply the same logic to Jurassic Park. <laughs> if they believe that dinosaurs are up, he doesn't care. He's yeah. like, what makes it cool? And, you know... If you really want to see the original ending to Jurassic Park, the movie, and you don't have a script or anything, you can get the Sega Genesis Jurassic Park, and the original ending to that the ending to that game is the original ending where Doctor Grant shoots the Raptors. So to me, I think the T Rex eating the Raptors is way cooler, <laughs> with the banner falling yeah. and the T Rex roaring. So you just forgive it because he's a great filmmaker. Uh, <laughs> for the record, he will eat bugs. Nature will find a way. Uh, this next part I really like. Uh, she wrote we also read death of the family holy shit that was great part of me thinks that they were pussies about the end but it would have skewed the whole new 52 i have not i'm reading batgirl right now but the batman and batgirl the only new 52 comics i've read um but batman really wasn't part of the new 52 he kind of just kept on going kind of stuff at all um but I, i do think death of the family is maybe one of the best batman stories i've ever read i i think it's really tight uh, the ending, I can see how some people don't like it, but I actually really enjoyed it. I thought the last issue was really, really, really good. Uh, 
just the the play that Batman and the Joker have together and that the Joker he doesn't care about anything. He just he loves the rivalry between him and Batman. And it's a really fascinating character study. Um not very superhero y, just Yeah. And now that I've read two, I've read the Batgirl tie into it and it's really good. Uh in the Batgirl one, Batgirl's mother is kidnapped and her fingers cut off by the Joker. And the Joker says the only way you can save your mom is if you marry me. And so she goes to this church knowing it's a trap and she ends up getting like gassed and taken away by the Joker. Then it continues into Batman and that's how she gets caught. So it's like her story of her getting caught being in the pages of Batman. Is, is this Batgirl not Barbara Gordon? It is Barbara Gordon. But her mom's around. Yes. Okay. You'll have to read. It's literally the first 12 issues are dealing with that. Um, how her mom just shows up again. Hmm. Um, because she also has a brother who's a serial killer. Uh, the, the new Batgirl is really dark, like really dark. There's, um, I, I've really, really enjoyed it because I, I really like Gail Simone as a writer, and uh, she takes Batgirl to really dark places. And they're re- they're relaunching they're relaunching they it a little a, a little a little lighter. Yeah, uh, because I just read it's issue twenty and twenty one where she contr- confronts the new ventriloquist, which is this really skinny like meth head chick, and in it. She murders her own parents and throws their voices, so she makes their corpses ventriloquist dummies, and then she mind controls the little dummy to kill people. It's it's really interesting and it's really well illustrated. It's pretty dark. Um, so yeah, there's a little comic. I'll have a different comic for you for Comic Corner, but yeah, I agree. Um, what did you think of Death of the Family? I can see where she feels like the ending was kind of a cop out, like just to have the Joker kind of disappear again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of um, th- like in a good way disturbing to see Joker's plan like Batman stopped the Joker but at the same time like the Joker exposed Batman as like kind of like a puppeteer of so he's not like the head of this family he's more just like this boss and like all his friends thought they were a family and they just don't feel treated like that anymore yeah so they kind of yeah you're right it's it's a haunting ending it is and it changed the dynamic of the whole hence the death of the family yeah so it's spoiler (laughs) spoiler Uh, it, it is it's interesting because you know uh, a death in the family where Robin dies is such a momentous part in Batman lore. And this is more of a psychological blow. And, and you know, you expect someone to die in it. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a metaphorical death. It's a, right. yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a great, it's a great read. You should really pick up the trade. If you go to Colorado coins, cards of commerce, you get 20% off on it. I know he has last time I was there. I think guys, cause I was looking for Batgirl stuff. I think he has like three or four, copies of uh, death of the family with batman but you can also get it with uh nightwing robin batgirl and uh i think there's one more that ties into it i can't remember it right now but the tie-ins are i heard are pretty good i've only read the batgirl one but uh, and finally she says also i finally got michael to start watching american horror story season two this is one of my favorite and i now now he can't stop watching it have a great show and keep the reviews coming cora i i've seen the first season of american horror story uh, I haven't watched the second one. I keep on meaning to. It's on Netflix now. I remember watching the first one when I was really sick, and I watched all ten episodes pretty much straight because I couldn't sleep, and I had such a bad fever I couldn't focus on anything except for American Horror Story. It's weird. But that's that's a thing of the past now. I'm healthy, ready to go. You made it? I made it. You survived? I did, barely. Every week we like to look at what the number one movie in the country is, based on dollars, not by... What people like. Not by public opinion. Not by public opinion. Here, because if that's the case, then Transformers won't be the number one movie of the year. <laughs> Here's a box office stats. 
This is the box office stats. Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I was just want to say Planet of the Apes because I think the like the first three letters are really clumsy. Uh, Thirty-six million, repeating as number one, the number one movie. And the movie we saw, Snowpiercer, was four hundred fifty-two thousand. But I think it was only in like a hundred theaters or something, not the four thousand that Planet of the Apes was in. Right. Um. So yeah, and it was also available on Amazon. I don't know how many people watching Amazon. I actually read an article about. Actually, I do know because I read an article about uh, why they released Snowpiercer same day digital as seeing it in theaters. And the guy behind at Weinstein Company said, "Well, Snowpiercer is great if you live in a city, Los Angeles, Denver, Chicago." We're going to have enough theaters for you to go see this movie. But if you live in Omaha, no one's going to see it. So they released it. It made like $2 million on demand. So yeah. I guess they did it right. So I guess it actually made $2.5 million <laughs> last week. So it's good to see little foreign movies make it. This is the real news. It's real news. I should just call it Comic-Con news this week because really the only stuff is... I was going to say, it's kind of fortunate we did this on a Sunday because uh, if I know. we did it on a Friday, you know, we wouldn't have got the best stuff until next week. Exactly. And uh, I think the coolest thing actually to come out of Comic-Con, I'm not even a DC guy, uh, is the Wonder Woman character poster. Yeah. I think it looks really sweet. I think she looks great. Uh, a lot of people were up in arms because she doesn't have big boobs, but uh, it doesn't matter. Is that her power? Big boobs? <laughs> exactly. Like, come on, guys. But uh, what did you think? I think the poster was pretty striking, and I think it looks pretty awesome. Um, I, I think it's fine. Like, I'm not a big Wonder Woman fan. Either so, am I. Like, I don't care if it's, like, not true in certain aspects to what people's expectations are. But, I mean, it's just as long as it fits the story and makes sense, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that just leads into they, they actually screened footage mm-hmm. at Which Comic-Con. I saw. Yeah, did you? Is it good? I didn't see it. Uh, well, it was a, you know, was Someone on an iPhone yeah, or something. Yeah, so it's, like, really dark and... You know, only when the screen like flashes do you really get to see any detail. But uh, it's 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 so like the quality is so bad. It almost seemed like um like a CGI animated movie. Mm. Um, but I'm I'm sure it didn't look like that. I heard it has a very Dark Knight Returns feel to it. Well, yeah, it's a. Uh, have you so you haven't seen it? No, I I've, I haven't. I'll describe it. it. Um, it's it's like Gotham, and there's a rooftop, and it's raining, and then there's, you see like the metal dark knight costume mm-hmm. that um uh, batman wears to fight superman with oh cool in the comic remember um so he's turning on the bat signal and the bat signal flashes in the sky and then the camera pans up and in the signal is this floating person and then it zooms into that person and it's superman with his eyes glowing red and it like comes like then it cuts back down to uh you know ben affleck batman in the in the metal costume like looking up and he's got like that like metal armor and everything oh, cool um that's it. So, obviously, they're doing they're priming this for a Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. I, I I wonder if the first half is them fighting, and then they realize there's a bigger threat, and they have to team up with everybody. And yeah, it's probably like my theory is that Bruce Wayne's like on the same wave wavelength as Lex Luthor. That like there's this dangerous alien that we have to stop. But in the course of confronting Superman, Bat, you know, Bruce Wayne figures out that I should mm-hmm. have this guy on my side. He's not a threat. Interesting. Yeah. Because Luther's the real threat. Because they really haven't even announced a real villain. I mean, we know Lex Luthor's in it, but is he the real villain in it? Probably not. Maybe there's not like a real villain. Hmm. 
I watch the Star Trek all week, so like sometimes <laughs> the movie doesn't have a villain in it. Yeah. It's just an idea. So, Interesting. Yeah. So it's just like this is. It doesn't how, have to always be good versus evil, Ryan. It, it does not. So it's just like this is how cool these characters look. Is basically the footage. It, it's just be like a psychological, physical battle between mm. two icons. You know, mm-hmm. ideologies clashing. Not so much like, hey, we gotta stop this nuclear bomb from going off again. <laughs> <laughs> but Batman didn't make it out. How did how did uh, Affleck look as Batman? Again, like it's so dark. <laughs> it just like I said, it just like it looked like someone took the Dark Knight and like made a CGI version of like the animated DC mm-hmm. movies. So I mean, you could kind of see his like Affleck chin in it, but I actually that's think about they, it. they released a like a profile photo. He looks pretty good. I yeah. mean, the visually, he looks like Batman. Yeah, I think the costume's a little puffed out because like if you looked at his Project Greenlight images like he doesn't look as big as the batman in the footage i saw so so do you think they're purposely puffing him out to be like the frank miller batman basically yeah yeah a little bit i mean it's not like grotesquely puffed out like that but it's but still, just a, it, like an homage to it it doesn't look like affleck's body in other movies that i've seen you know gotcha. uh the one of the biggest reveals of comic-con one of the surprises is skull island the new king kong movie is coming out in 2016 with no director no writer <laughs> but a release date um so some they, executives like we gotta just we gotta keep this king kong franchise <laughs> yeah. going uh, th- I, I love peter jackson's king kong i think it's a great movie um brad doesn't obviously with his yeah that was boring yeah um but so it'll be interesting it'll be sweet if his if they actually just change godzilla 2 to king kong versus godzilla <laughs> i think that'd be sweet yeah but uh it's supposed to be a prequel um i, I don't know what you would make a prequel about that's the sign of going into the well too much. Yeah. <laughs> like trying to mine stuff out of. I guess the natives will fight Kong. I, I, I don't know. I know. They'll, they'll what if what if they, they show King Kong being born and his mother's like holding him and she sings in uh, I'll be in your heart from Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> and a T-Rex comes and just like killed his mom. And, then King Kong's <laughs> and that's why revenge. he hates T-Rexes. <laughs> yeah. That'd be uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Because you know that like Hollywood would. They'd have to have like a human element, yeah. otherwise it won't sell. So I don't know. Yeah, it'd have to be natives or something. Or I don't know. Do you think they maybe think? Well, Planet of the Apes did so well. Maybe yeah. we don't need humans. Halfway uh, through. Oh, you haven't seen Planet, have you? I haven't. But halfway through Skull Island, like astronauts land on <laughs> so Skull Island, awesome. and they're like, "What's going on? <laughs> Damn you! Damn you! <laughs> That'd be sweet. Hey, hey, uh, legendary pictures, call us. <laughs> we'll write this script for you." <laughs> We one go in there, we later. pitch it to him, and like, get the fuck out of <laughs> yeah. our office. Or we do make it, and then one and a half years later, like critics, worst <laughs> movie of all time. That's Who our... gave two jerk offs from Colorado permission to <laughs> write a up. multi-million dollar movie? Hey, hey, you never know. Uh, Guardian of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Two has been given a release date and uh, a director and a director. July twenty, July two thousand seventeen. Um, uh, this. Uh, the first Guardian of the Galaxy opens next week, which we'll see, and it's getting amazing reviews. Well, you guys will see. You're not going to be here next week? 48-hour film project. You, dude, you're out of control. <laughs> Why are you doing that while you're still working on your Jean-Claude Van Damme stuff? Because I can. <laughs> All right. I, I, It's weird, like, because we've done the f- four of them. I just felt like it would be odd not to have a, an odd number of film 48-hour film projects. Okay. And everyone else convinced me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it something you want to do? And when I bought 
when I bought into it, I thought I'd have Jean Claude done, done by now. <laughs> so that was going to be your yeah. Oh, that'd be like your release. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I hope it works out for you. But I just take Friday off for it, so I'll probably go see Guardians like early in the morning before you cool. guys. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> fuck me. That's fine. Um, the Tusk trailer debuted online at, right after Comic Con. Yes, it's very <laughs> unusual. Yes, uh, but I'm all on board. I still want to see it. Oh yeah, I want to see it because it looks. It's shot really well. It is really shot really well. Uh, it's just so interesting, and it's cool that Kevin Smith is kind of branching out and did decided not to retire. So. Yeah, now he's doing the uh, Canada trilogy or whatever. Well, whatever he's doing. I'm sure it'll change. He constantly changes his mind. Better get Clerks 3 done before his friends, like, <laughs> get any older. <laughs> right. I'm sure he'll figure something out. I don't know. We'll see, huh? Uh, also, uh, Sam Raimi is producing The Last of Us, which is the hit PlayStation 3 game from last year, which is released remastered on PlayStation 4 next week. I'll be getting my copy. Um, it, it looks cool. I mean, he has ideas about it, and if I was going to have anybody... Produce. I wish he was directing it, but if he's going to produce a movie, you know, it'd be Sam Raimi. I mean, he does a pretty good job with that stuff. And um, the movies, uh, you have to condense a 15-hour game into a two-hour movie. So uh, I think that's maybe his toughest challenge. Yeah, and how many video game movies are actually successful? <laughs> yeah, that's well, Resident Evil's. Every one of them's made more money than the last They're one. They're financially successful, but critically successful. <laughs> it's a different story. Yeah, but what is the most important thing? Money or critical praise? Well, for me, critical praise. But. Well, for you, <laughs> but someone who's a sellout like me, it'd be money. So what you're saying is that I should just convince you to do a ton of shitty movies for me? Yeah. As long as they make money, you're still on board? Hey, if I make money, that's all I care about. <laughs> I don't give a shit about anything else. Uh, also in Sam Raimi News, Evil Dead is going to... They're trying to pitch it as a TV show now. Um, because they Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell have really wanted to make basically Army of Darkness too. They've talked about it for years can never get it off the ground and now bruce campbell robert tapper who's a producer with sam raimi have all sat down and they're pitching an idea of an evil dead tv show um what's going to be on netflix or um amc or fx or hbo or whatever it is i think could be pretty interesting um i don't know what story they would tell but you can always have new people because it's it's an evil entity that lives inside a book. So, <laughs> I'd say make the show a continuation of uh, Army of Darkness. I think so, too. I mean, that's what I like to do. And you do the... Uh, like, don't go back to the cabin again. Just take off from the whole medieval thing. Yeah, well, I would actually do the... There's two endings to Army of Darkness. The one that most people have seen, the theatrical ending, is Ash goes back and he's at S-Mart and he fights that demon inside S-Mart. Uh, the ending that Sam Raimi prefers is his original ending, where Ash takes too many drops of the potion and wakes up in post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic London. And I think that'd be really cool if you woke up there and had to fight monsters in post-apocalyptic London. So, uh, and you can make, you know, 10 episodes of that for sure. So, yeah, cool. Remember when we used to get 24 episodes of things? I know. Now they just want to condense it and... Spend less money. And make more money. (laughs) Yeah. Well, sometimes the quality is better. Yeah. You can tell a tighter story. But, I mean... Yeah. I mean, I still miss... <laughs> They're charging the same price for know, right? the DVD sets, no matter how many episodes are on it, unfortunately. <laughs> right. um, and that's it I have for news. Did I forget anything? Um, sure. No, I, I think you got it. I don't know. My brain's uh, so fried from this week. I know. I mean, I, there's like, you know... I think the, the Evil Dead thing was like, oh, I know he's going to talk about is that thing. Yeah. I mean, the 
the Yellow Jacket's the villain in Ant-Man. I mean, there's really there wasn't really any really big reveals at Comic-Con. Mothra is going to be in Godzilla too. Um, the uh, Green Goblin's left-handed now. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> That's a great article. <laughs> I you, love Onion. reading those Onion articles. They just crack me up. Yeah. Because, you know, some people would probably take that seriously and get all upset. Mm, like it matters. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, speaking of comics, I'm going to tell you a cool new comic you should pick up. What's up, nerds? It's the Comics Corner. Uh, I'm always on the lookout for horror comics or something. That's. Uh, do you have something for me? Oh, no. Oh, you're just not paying attention to me and just reading your... I'm checking on stuff because I have to go somewhere after this. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, it's called. Do you need me to help you through the comic no, section? No, right? it's called Spread, and it's a story about there's this huge parasitic entity that lives underneath the earth now, and it feeds on people, and when the people die, sometimes they don't stay dead, so it's kind of like a zombie thing, but not really. So there's this huge... Monster. It, it, the first issue is really well drawn and it's really briskly paced, and there's not too many, too much dialogue in it. What I can tell you, it's about a man named No, who for some reason is immune to this disease that infects you if you get bit by this um, monster called the Spread. And like I said, it's just a, it's basically the blob that has teeth on it and lives underneath the ground. And also, there's obviously factions of people that just kill other people and eat them. And No finds this lady who baby was taken from her by these van- these bandits or whatever you want to call them, cannibals. And No tracks them down and kills them all and takes the baby. And that's the first issue of Spread. Uh, it's really well drawn. It's really cool. The For the most part, it's all blues and whites, except for the monster. And it's red and obviously the blood everywhere. Uh, there's lots of head chops off, violence, cussing. It's pretty sweet. Uh, it's called Spread. I would tell you to go to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics and pick up one, but Andrew gave me the last one. Um, So basically you're just teasing everyone. And when I went to Tradesmart, there's no more at Tradesmart. I haven't been to Mile High Comics, but I can't imagine they have any either. I'm guessing it's a really low print run. And I only found out about it because I go to Comic Vine as a website that reviews comic books. And it was their pick of the week or something like whatever they call their pick of the week. And and the cover's really sweet. It's like this dude who kind of looks like Logan Wolverine. And he has this axe, and this baby's ripping apart this intestine. Sweet. <laughs> so it's a, it's a pretty interesting cover. Um, so yeah, if you can find it, I'm, I'm sure there might be copies around somewhere. Um, pick it up. It's called Spread. And I'm sure they'll release a second printing of it, I'm sure. Variant, whatever. Um, did you read, have you read Chuck's emails from Mile High Comics? How, no. How bad it is at San Diego for comic book people? Oh, like, like Denver Comic Con? <laughs> Uh, well, actually, in Chuck's email, he said he made more money at Denver Comic Con than he's going to make at San Diego. Oh, that's sad. Uh, he said he's blaming it on the publishers for only having exclusives at their booths, so people wait in line forever at their booths, and by the time they get done there, they don't go shopping for his comics. I would. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I want to get him no, on the show. No. <laughs> um, but I will say that he'll never hear this. I, I will say that. I think sometimes he overvalues his issues, even at 50% off. And I think sometimes people see that. Um, if you go to uh, my my inventory comic books is kept on comicspriceguide.com. For 50 bucks a year, they keep all your comics in a database. And you can buy stuff from people on there. And 
there's this one really cool, amazing Spider-Man number one variant that I think is really cool. I mean, I obviously, I, I didn't buy it because I don't care but that much, but it's really cool. He has it, and he's selling it for $40 at his booth. No discount. You can buy it on Comics Price Guide from this, like, five people, and they're selling it for $4. I'm just saying that he overvalues the what he... And he doesn't go off what the market wants. He goes off what he thinks the books are worth, not what me and you will pay for them or anything. Uh, so I think that's his biggest problem. I think that's what... He's finally started dropping his prices, which I think he needs to realize, because at the end of the day... You know, he's in there to make money. And he has millions and millions of comics, which is taking up inventory space. Yeah. Wh- why let a $100 comic sit on the shelf when you can sell it and at least get $50? And it's probably worth 20 Exactly. And that's, you know, that's why I think, that's why I, I love Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. We can get half off all back issues. Even new issues. Um, like, I just got Batgirl, I think, 30. And they're on 32 or 33, I forget. And so what Andrew does is, after a couple months, it's been on the shelf. He prices it at like uh, I think it's four twenty five, but half off you get it for you know two twelve. So you still get it seventy cents off the cover price from a couple months ago, and that's what you need to do because if you don't, you just have inventory stock of stuff you've already paid for. And uh, finding out from Randy, who was here a couple weeks ago, we know that new comics don't cost that much for them to buy. So you, if you can still make a fifty percent profit on it, why not cut it? and get rid of the inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he has to learn. And I mean, he obviously maybe not, he's been in business for so long, but now that the internet's around and things like that, I think, I think people are wising up to it. It's like, why am I going to pay $2,000 for the death of Gwen Stacy in fine condition where I can get a near mint copy for $400? I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Even if you're giving it to me half off, I'm still paying a grand for it. That doesn't make any sense. And I know he doesn't pay that much for him because I've opened up the email like link where it says, this is what we'll buy these issues for. And I always look because I, I have a couple double issues of old early Spider-Mans. I'm like, well, if I trade these in, then I can get some really cool ones. Um, I have two, I have three deaths of the Green Goblin. And for near mint, he'll give you $20 for it. But he's going to sell it for $2,000. That's a 10,000% markup. <laughs> I'm, wow. just, I'm just saying. Um, so whatever. That, that's got to pay for that warehouse. That, that's my soapbox for the day. Brad, how you doing? Uh, eh, what? <laughs> right? Uh, this is the stuff we watched this week. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. I watch only a few things. Um, I keep on meaning to get to... I'll get to Star Trek. Relax. Eventually. Not uh, today, though. Not today. That's a shame. Uh, I know. I heard you say Star Trek, and I was kind of bummed. Um, I did watch Ginger Snaps, which is a, another Scream Factory Blu-ray release it's an old well not really old it's 14 years old it's a werewolf movie from canada um about and it's about these girls becoming into adulthood um it's a really kind of a dark comedy it's really good it's a really good movie called ginger snaps uh what i really like is scream factory now too is making their making ofs a lot longer i'm pretty sure the making of this one was an hour and like 10 minutes long just interviews and people going through the motions and um, making the monster and interviews with the directors and stars and it's a it's a really good blu-ray as always pick up screen factory blu-rays if you like horror um oh that's something i forgot to announce like that came in the news oh the 10 the 10 year uh, anniversary screen factory edition of uhf baby oh that's right yeah, yeah. blu-ray blu-ray of uhf and weird al number one <laughs> album on box <laughs> well we're not a music podcast. yeah but it's all right yeah but weird al's earned it we're hey we're an entertainment podcast we can talk about whatever we want I'm surprised that when people like announced that they were like shocked 
that he wouldn't have had a number one by now. Like mm-hmm. he does spoken comedy albums. Like yeah, the music industry is so bad right now that that could happen. Like it did, but I mean, when he started out, like there were you know people like Michael Jackson and people like making yeah. uh, music were top in the charts. So it's really interesting because I now I downloaded the Hollywood Reporter app. And the Hollywood Reporter has really interesting figures in it, and it was talking about Weird Al's album. And its first week, it sold something like 120,000 copies, physical copies, which is pretty good. Um, But I was reading that the number one single on iTunes sold like 4 million downloads. So, I mean, that's a lot of downloads. So they still make money. It's just different ways now. Yeah. so, but well deserved, and I know it's what's the highest charting number one album in something like seven months, hundred and something thousand copies, which is really weird. I, I remember uh, because I'm I'm a huge Rod Stewart fan. His album Human debuted at number fifty in two thousand and two, and it sold something like two hundred thousand copies. And now that would have just crushed yeah. everything. It's really interesting how the music industry's changed, but Weird Al's changed with it. And he released videos, and he self-promoted himself. That was a good campaign. Very well. It was, and it worked. And yeah. it, I love when he schooled the Fox News guy. It totally worked. And he was on he was on At Midnight, and he was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just a funny guy, and he's really nice and good, well-earned. Yeah, I, I listened to him talk about it on uh, Doug Loves Movies and uh, Comedy Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. He's on both those shows talking about how uh, he didn't really feel like there was a single on the album, like a standout, like mm-hmm. there have been in the past, like a specific artist that's... Like Amish Paradise or Like something. Amish Paradise or... Like Saga Begins. Beat It, you know. Um, so he just said, you know, I'll just put them all out there all at once. Uh, let the public choose what the best one is. And um, yeah, so... And then uh, after this, he's... Now that he's out of his... Basically his record contract's done, he's kind of thinking of... Um, now that he has, doesn't have that restriction of having to save stuff for an album, mm-hmm. he can just do singles all the time and make them timely. So oh, cool. the next time there's an, an immediate hit of something like, you know, Daft Punk's Get Lucky or something, he can go ahead and do that song before the rest of the world makes all their video yeah. parodies and then it becomes irrelevant for him to do it. No, it's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. And I mean, because now, I mean, we put our stuff on iTunes. It's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> so he just... He can do it himself. He can do it himself. Keep the, you know, 100% of the... <laughs> And that bait might be cool too because then maybe we're going to get ten to twelve Weird Al songs a year yeah. instead of you have often. to wait two or three years for twelve songs. So yeah, that's good. Good for him. Makes yeah, me happy. In the past, it's been like a four or five year drought between albums. Yeah, and uh, I was shocked when this one came up so fast. Like Alpocalypse was like two thousand eleven. Yeah. So I guess that's three, four three years. Three years. Yeah. Still. Still. Much yeah. faster turnaround. Because I think Alpocalypse uh, was running with Scissors. How's it go? I'm sorry. Running with Scissors was like 2009. And then Poodle Hat was like 2004. Mm-hmm. And then Straight Out Linwood was 2006. That's, right. That's one I'm missing, Straight Out Linwood. Yeah. So, yeah, basically he has four or five years between albums. So, good for him. Yeah. Uh, me and James got in a conversation last week uh, that Catherine Bigelow's best movie was Point Break. And I told him it's Zero Dark Thirty, and he relented. And I watched Point Break this week. I went to Tradesmart, and it was three ninety nine on Blu Ray. You're like <laughs> the only person who has any good like luck at Tradesmart. You know, like you get fun. everything cheap, and everyone else is like, I can't find this, or they're not giving me the deal. And I usually go on Sundays. I don't know if it's because I go on Sundays or what it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It's three ninety nine. Well, I think I got it for a dollar because I got. So I don't even remember what else I got. And there's some horror movie. 
that I haven't watched that's sitting in a pile over there. <laughs> but, uh, it, but Point Break. But Point Break is, meh. <laughs> it's fun. It didn't change your opinion. No, it really didn't change my opinion about it. I mean, it's fun. Um, I've never seen it, so I you haven't seen it. No. Keanu Reeves is a horrible actor. <laughs> And this movie is earlier in his career, so it just exemplifies how bad of an actor he is. Um, I don't mind him in The Gift. In The Matrix, he's okay because he really doesn't have to say anything. In this... So, in it, he plays a hotshot FBI agent. And he is tasked with finding these bank robbers that only knock up... uh, Gary Busey is his partner, and he's the... The, old, the crazy veteran, and he has this crazy idea that the bank robbers are surfers because they only rob banks in the summer and they only take cash, and then from October to whenever surfing season ends, they're, they're gone, and then they come back and they, they rob banks again. And so Keanu Reeves is tasked with going undercover as a surfer to infiltrate this uh, this group and he doesn't know who they are, and he befriends Bodie, who is played by Patrick Swayze. Now, you don't know that Bodie right now is the bad guy, okay? You don't know that. <laughs> okay, I got it. <laughs> okay, but you do. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Why else would he be? I, I know. Yeah. Uh, well, they try to do these red herrings. There's this one surfer guys that also deal drugs, and Tom Sizemore's in it for like 10 minutes as the other DEA agent who's undercover and he gets mad because Keanu Reeves blows his cover with the other surfing drug dealers. So I guess if you're a surfer, you're just a bad person. Um, and in the meantime, Keanu Reeves learns how to surf from Lori Petty and he's, uh, he falling in love with her and he actually, and he also falls in love with Patrick Swayze's lifestyle where he has a care in the world. And, but then he finds out that he is the bad guy. And he's chasing him, and he rolls over, and he shoots his gun in there and goes, no! <laughs> yep. Oh, that's what uh, Hot Fuzz... That's <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. I totally... <laughs> um, that's how much Point Break has infiltrated pop culture. Yes. Uh, it's... I don't know. It's, I mean, it's fun, but Keanu Reeves is such a bad actor that it really hurts it. There's a part where John C. Riley, uh Not John C. Riley, uh John C. McGinnis, who's... Dr. Cox on Scrubs plays the the captain of the police force. And when he meets Keanu Reeves for the first time, he says, let me tell you something. This isn't some hot shot. This is L.A. And this is the, you know, the normal cliches uh, speech. And he says, in here, you don't eat crappy. You eat eggs and blah, blah, blah. And then Keanu Reeves picks up a donut and he eats it in front of him. And he's like, I love these things, sir. Just like I said it. I love these things, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's his, That's the depth of his acting. And there's, uh, I, I remember my favorite slash worst line delivery by Keanu Reeves in this is he is, his girlfriend is kidnapped by Bodie because he's not going to let Bodie just go away. He's an FBI agent, right? So he kidnaps her and he forces Keanu Reeves' Johnny Utah to, <laughs> that's his name, to, I know. <laughs> <laughs> to be part of his gang in their latest bank heist. And he goes, Booty, I am in the FBI. Yep. That's how he says it. That's why he can't rob the bank. But he does it anyways. And a good cap gets killed in it. And then Booty's like, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah, pretty 
much. And then uh, <laughs> Utah jumps off the the, the dam. <laughs> it's funny. It's basically kind of the same thing. Uh, yeah, uh, this film movie's all right. James Cameron produced it. Yeah, uh, the last thing I saw at the time, uh, probably this week is Lucy, is the new Scarlett Johansson movie. Oh, you saw that? Yeah, I was. I don't know if I don't like it. I don't know if I like it though. It's really weird. Um, the, I mean, if you've seen the trailer, you pretty much know what's happening. She is forced to be a drug mule, and the drugs leak out into her system, giving her superhuman abilities, using a hundred percent of her brain's capacity, and where she's able to recognize wavelengths and like that's stupid. She's like Neo. She can see through the code. Exactly. It's it's Neo. <laughs> but the thing is, is I was expecting some kick-ass fight scenes in it. But in the trailer, the parts where she like pushes people aside and they slide away, she does that three times in the movie, and that's pretty much all she does. So all the action is in the trailer. Yeah, there's wow. a there's a sweet car chase. But, yep, that's it. That's it. <laughs> um, Scarlett Johansson looks pretty in it. She's good in it. Like she she really sells that she's accessing these um, codes or whatever she can do. Um, yeah. All right. But then it goes this really weird part at the end where she becomes part of the computer and goes back in time and sees the first female, who is Lucy, by the way, and dinosaurs, and she's everywhere. It's really, it's basically, the you're right, it's basically The Matrix, but made by a French guy. <laughs> so. So she's not Lucy. It's just she, the whole movie is based on that first girl. In the past? No, she is Lucy, but she's everywhere now. So She wrote herself into all of history. Yeah, yeah she wrote herself she's into history. She's part of the code that is life. Exactly. So, <sighs> and it's so funny because I was teasing last week. I said, you just get cast Morgan Freeman in your movie, like Transcendence, and just have him like regurgitate out all this exposition because for some reason, if Norman Morgan Freeman says they just believe it, and that's pretty much what he does in this movie. For the first 45 minutes, the movie's only an hour and 20 minutes long, too. For the first 45 minutes of this movie, he's literally in a lecture hall lecturing people, the audience, about the science behind using 100% of your brain's capacity, intercut with wildlife footage. Yeah. Awesome. So every time Lucy's brain capacity gets more, it'll cut back to Morgan Freeman, and he'll say, at 40% of brain's capacity... And then people ask him questions, and it keeps on going and going and going. And before they have to break him up, you know, go to the climax, some Swedish guy says, well, what happens if he, you use 100%? And he goes, I I don't know. <laughs> and, then it, and then it cuts to him in his hotel room finding out what happens if someone uses 100% of their brain. Yeah. Yeah, because their concept, their, their high concept concept was so high, they had to get someone to come on screen and t- explain the movie <laughs> exactly. to you. That's the whole time. I'm like, wow, it's literally a lecture hall lecturing us about the science in this movie that's made up. Yep. <laughs> literally, it was that was happening on screen. Like, All right. I mean, it shot really well. There's some cool moments in it. But, meh. That's what I watched this Well, week. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> no, do not see it. You okay. laid it. My wife was pregnant and she's already uncomfortable and the movie made her all like more uncomfortable because she couldn't focus on the movie. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Cool. What'd you watch this week, Brad? I watched, uh, I rewatched Star Trek one through five. Nice. Many times because I watched it 
normally, and then I watch the director's commentary, and then I watch mm. the bonus alternate commentaries. Oh, cool! For each of those movies, yes, they all have each. I only saw the director's one. They each have alternate ones. You have the same set as I do. I think so. The white one. Here. Yeah, yeah. So there's there'll be like, um, it it's not necessarily the directors. Like sometimes. Oh, I, I think I do know. It'll that. be like, like a producer. And like a Star Trek historian or something. Yeah. Right? I mean, like on 4, it's Shatner and Nimoy, but obviously Robert Wise isn't alive, so he couldn't do. Uh, but I think they, he did it for the DVD, so maybe they transferred over. I don't think I w- listened to the commentary mm-hmm. on that one, but most of the other ones I do would do. And then like Kurtzman and Orsi did commentary, a bonus one for like, I think 4 also, something hmm. like that. But yeah, it's 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 a big mishmash of like oh, different cool. Star Trek I people. I thought there's only one on there. Uh, 5 has a... Shatner because he directed it and then his daughter who is like in the movie and then really? the second one is a bunch like five or six people who are like production designers and things oh that's cool from the movie and the series oh. so um, but yeah I just listen up and watch all it's the always interesting and... listening to people like production designers on commentaries because they tell you a whole different, whole different side of the movie yeah they have a totally different perspective of how things went down where Actors like to entertain you on commentaries by saying silly things I, I, I love to hear I love hearing technical ones too. yeah they're talking about like you know, the budgeting problems of uh, five and everything, and how like the shuttle bay stuff. You see, like oh, that's where the money went because they had to build a whole shuttle bay with a shuttle oh. that moves and things and like that. That um, is a pretty impressive shot, though. Yeah, and it looks great. And then there's like oh, well, obviously uh, this stuff on Yosemite looks sh- mm-hmm. sketchy because it's on green screen stuff. And if they'd done things differently, and um, I guess um, there was a. Uh, Every time they did a new Star Trek movie, Paramount wasn't smart enough to hang on to the bridge set, so they would destroy it after each movie, and then greenlight a new movie, and then they'd have to like. That's so crazy because they come out like every two years, basically. Yeah, two or three years, three years at the most, because I read the timeline. Yeah, every two years, and um, like they didn't like after the first one, they didn't realize it was going to be such a success. So obviously, then and then two, they're still like, no, this might not do well. So they did, but you know, by the fifth one, really? <laughs> so, <laughs> Haven't learned yet? <laughs> yeah, and um, so yeah, there's like uh, pieces of it, and then there's like this rainstorm at the Paramount lot, and like all the wood and stuff got wet and warped huh. and everything. So they had to rebuild that set, and like by having to rebuild that set, like they, you know, it, there's this expenditure they didn't plan for in the budget, so that obviously so... hurt the rock monster ending that they wanted. That's so weird because you think. That Paramount would be, oh, these movies make money. Why don't we just give them more money? It's so weird that they don't mm. give them more money for something so iconic. Yeah. And I, I guess they did for five, but, I mean, it wasn't, by today's standards, it's not that much. Because, hmm. um, yeah, if it, like before four, they were only making, like, 60 or $50 million. Mm-hmm. Um, And it was, like, a Christmas release all the time. And then four hit big. But they still like, well, that was an anomaly. So the next one will probably still make like 50 to 60 because the fourth one did like 120 or something. Mm-hmm. So they they didn't want to like overexert themselves. And That's so weird. Especially to do better. Because so they, you know how much money they made with licensing and stuff. You think they. Yeah. Well, still like before the start of the 90s, licensing still wasn't a big thing. Like mm. it wasn't until Batman came out that they found like, like Star Wars and Batman that they started seeing the mm. value of merchandising, you know. It's crazy. Because you know you think of something so iconic that it's 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 like saying now that oh hey by the way the Spider Man movie we're not going to give you the money you want for it yeah. and the ending you want we're not going to put that money into that yeah it's going to have to go through an approval process by <laughs> several and and now I mean because could you imagine them saying that to you know or the Dark Knight Rises 
cool, uh, Mr. Nolan. I know you want to have the scene of the Batman flying away with the, the nuke, but we really don't have that in the budget. Yeah. The, uh, so in Star Trek Four, the helicopter, when they're delivering the plexiglass mm-hmm. to the Klingon murder prey, I didn't know until now, but that's just a model. Is across it really? the San Francisco skyline. Yeah, it looks so good. Wow. Uh, I haven't, like, when I, it, when it totally, fl- I don't even notice. Yeah, the, when it flies in over the park, like, that's a real one, mm-hmm. but, um, the yeah, the budget or whatever, they couldn't do that shot of flying over, and there's, like, all kinds of approval things. Really? And, um, they shot that plate from Alcatraz. Um, I guess they can fly over Alcatraz or something. I don't know. But uh, they just went to Japan, got a model kit for a Huey, built it, and then just green screened it, and it looked amazing. Wow, that's so crazy. Yeah. Never noticed it until now. There's other things in the movie that stand out, but like something like that. Yeah. Looks great. So going back and revisiting them that many times, uh, what, what's your favorite one? I don't know if I've ever asked you that. Well, I've, I, I like six, but I haven't got to That's right. that part yet. But, um, you know, for those Star Trek movies for me, like growing up with them, like I watched them so much, like I, I don't feel like there's a ranking thing and I don't mm-hmm. nitpick them. Like it's just this continuing story. Um, and I, I really like the magic of how you know, nowadays movies go like to a completely different story with each new mm-hmm. movie, but back then they actually serialized a movie from yeah. two, three to four. So um, I kind of wish movies did that more now. Yeah, the the relationship between Bones and Kirk is so awesome to follow throughout the series. Mm. I mean, yeah, everyone is always going to point to Spock and Kirk, but to me, I, I love the Bones and Kirk like arc throughout yeah. it because uh, something even in five where. You know, Kirk is a, a skeptical, and so is Bones about you know God and all this stuff. And uh, to see how they grow throughout that movie is really, really cool. I, that's those are my favorite moments in those movies. Yeah. So, what else? Oh, um, I was watching Star Trek Three, and um, the part where the Klingons transport over to the Enterprise during the self-destruct sequence, and they're they don't know what's happening yet. Um, when they come through the transporter, because I was listening to the commentary and not really watching the story mm-hmm. um and the back of the transporter there's a sign that says caution and there's a list of things to be cautious of um and the first one is no smoking hmm. and i was like oh well someone just took a sign from a store and just plopped on the back there but then it actually has two and three is like keep your arms inside the transporter so a prop master wow. actually went through the trouble of making a caution sign but then like one of them to be cautious is no smoking like they have a problem with smoking <laughs> in the transporter room and I haven't seen people smoke in Star Trek movies, so obviously it's working, but... it's uh, <laughs> Well, they don't want, you know, to light up and the oxygen causes an explosion. I right. <laughs> I, I don't... Yeah. It's, it's just a funny, like, background yeah. gag that obviously they're having fun with, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's fun to see those things you don't notice, you know, yeah. after no, watching no, it this great. many times. You know, Blu-ray helps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see stuff like that. It's funny because I watch a movie, Army of Darkness, I watch it at least once or twice a year, and I always, like, see little bits and scenes... And I always say to myself, did I like close my eyes during this time every time I've watched it or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, little things in the background. And uh, but, yeah, that's I, I experience the exact same thing when I watch movies like that. Yeah. But overall, I love those movies. Um, and I don't really. Again, I'm surprised I like them. I, I took yeah, a chance. I'm surprised you do, too. <laughs> I, I took a chance because you guys forced me to go see Wrath of Khan. Well, you forced me to see six and it was it was good. <laughs> um, then we went and saw Wrath of Khan a year ago, two years ago. Two years ago, I think, and it yeah. really kind of got me on board. And I really liked the voyage home, um, and I liked one more than I thought I was going to after what you guys said about it. Yeah, and watching that again, like yeah, the the tour around the 
uh, Enterprise is, is long, and then like all the space doors things James talks about that that's long. But like again, I was working on stuff mm-hmm. while watching it, so the time it didn't feel long to me. But um, no, it, it it's you know the thing is though, I mean it's pretty impressive. I mean when they're flying up and you see the Enterprise, I mean it's an impressive shot. They just need to cut it out a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, the, but the overall story is really cool. Yeah, and it, it just makes you the thing I like about the Star Trek movies they really make you think about what would happen if you know. It came back and it was self-aware and oh the probe in four uh the sound that it makes mm-hmm. that's actually leonard nimoy really his voice just kind of you know altered <laughs> yeah i was awesome the, the sound guys like documentary parties like he he made like a dozen different sounds for the probe and then nimoy's like because nimoy directed it mm-hmm. he's like nah this is, this is one like looking for and that guy got like all he has an ego so he's like oh fine well why don't you come up with something and so Leonard Nimoy like just got on the mic and went like whoop 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 <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> the sound guy just distorted that a little bit and so the whale probe sound like that little screechy mm-hmm. thing is whales but the it traveling through space yeah like, that low hum is Leonard Nimoy is going, it really yeah that's awesome yeah. that's awesome he was like all right fuck you I will yeah <laughs> that's basically <laughs> exactly. what he said yeah. <laughs> that's awesome um, yeah uh yeah that's all I watched I think yeah Oh, I, I saw some indie stuff, like, around town, but my brain's fried. I can't remember stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, since you won't be here next week, these next two weeks I'll dedicate to watching the whole Next Generation. And then when you come you back... <laughs> and then when you come I back... I'll be there for it. For August 8th, we'll talk about that and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which we'll see on August 8th. Okay. Because you're going to be here... You're not going to be next week, but it's the following week you'll be here, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. All right. Unless you guys do it Saturday. I don't know yet. If you guys record Saturday on the 9th, then I won't. Dick. You got to shoot Jean-Claude. Cool. So this is the stuff that's coming out for you to purchase on Blu-ray next week. DVD releases and Blu-rays. The big release is Noah, the Russell Crowe movie. That I don't. Did you ever get a chance to see it? Nope. No? I'll probably rent it on a, like, Netflix or something. Redbox it. Redbox, I mean. Um, the Other Woman, that awesome Cameron Diaz movie that we both missed. But we'll have a party. We'll have Cosmos and everything at my house. And awesome. we'll uh, get it. Uh, Twin Peaks, The Complete Mystery. will uh, Or the complete something like that. It's the whole series. Never watched it. I'm not a big David Lynch fan, but it's a significant release on Blu-ray. Um, the Herzog Collection, Werner. Um, I don't know what movies are in it. Yeah. Um <laughs> But he, he's an interesting guy because his his movies he directs are pretty cool. Is it Grizzly Grizzly Man's one of his, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be in there, I guess. Um, but he's also really kind of a character when he's acting in movies. Mm. What movie did we see him in recently where he's the bad Jack guy? Reacher? Jack Reacher, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Jack Reacher's awesome. Um, and the last thing is a movie I kind of wanted to see. You might have saw it because it's an independent one. Did you see Cuban Fury? No. No. I want to say because I like Nick Frost. Right, so yeah. uh, Nick Frost, of course, of the Cornetto Trilogy fame. Um, and I heard Simon Pegg's in it a little bit. I'll probably get that at Redbox as well. Yeah, if they even take it. If they, if I'm sure Netflix, I can find yeah. it on Netflix or Amazon Instant Video. Yeah. We already talked about the Batman Blu-ray coming out in November, right? Yeah. yeah. I saw the limited edition thing. It comes with a Matchbox Batmobile. I'm wondering because that thing is 200 bucks and it says limited edition. I wonder if they're going to have a, a for everybody set coming out later. Yeah, what I'm actually take the what chance. I'm actually hoping is as it gets closer, I hope Amazon drops it more 
Um, I mean, if it here's the thing, and I, I went over this with James. I mean, I really want it, and when you're they're actually only asking you to pay a dollar, basically an episode, a dollar twenty. That's really not that bad. You get 120 episodes. There's, there's no, oh, the, and the Blu-ray right now on Amazon's like 189. Yeah, so it's like a dollar twenty every episode. That's really not that bad. And they're each an hour long, so it's an. Are they an hour long? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. So I think they're each an hour long. So it's 120 hours. You're really not. I mean, you're. It's a lot of money initially, but you're getting a lot of value for it. I think. Yeah. I mean, you're getting the whole series. Yeah. Not just whole, not just a single season. And you know, I complain about it, and I, I love this as a when I was a kid. I'm sure I'm not going to like it as much as I did as a kid, but there's a part of me that really wants it because I watched this with my grandfather at his house and mm. I just remember sitting there and I forget, I think it was on Nickelodeon. I don't remember exactly what station it was on. I watched in Florida. It was on the family channel. Did the they family have that? channel. <sighs> Is that a thing here? I think so. And maybe that's what it was on. I, I, cause I was either thinking Nickelodeon or TBS, but maybe it was the family channel because it sounds like TBS. Oh, yeah, we have family channel cause now it's ABC family and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe you're right. Um, I remember when Disney Channel was like subscribe like specifically oh, yeah. to this channel. You had and to you get the commercials that said yeah. like subscribe to the Disney Channel because yeah. Disney Channel used to not have commercials. The Disney Channel commercials were the ones in between telling you what. Because my grandfather used to have it too. We used to love going to his house to watch the Disney Channel. Um, but I think you might be right. It might be the Family Channel because mm. I can't. I know it was like Nickelodeon or TBS or something like that. But I, I remember loving it as a kid and rewatching the Batman movie recently this is still pretty fun yeah it's silly but it's still pretty fun it's kind of see all those like old classic actors being goofy yeah like uh like eli Wallach just died and he was yeah. mr freeze at one point exactly and i also want to see like the different incarnations of like because yeah when they put a different actor they also kind of changed the costume and stuff um like frank gorshin and who's the other one <laughs> for riddler um i don't remember anyway. i don't remember either but um but yeah, the, well, yeah, there's like t- layers of inconsistency. And there's in that show. there's three different Catwomen. Um, yeah, one for the movie, but Eartha Kitt and yeah, and Julie Newmar are in the show. So it's <laughs> that's it, a that's a glaring difference. In <laughs> yeah, well, one's a black lady. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but hey, you know, it's it it's pretty fascinating, and I'd love to hear the commentaries. And I don't know how many episodes will have commentaries on them, so it's probably worth it. You know, I'm probably gonna get it. I, I complain about it now. But I mean, I I dropped a hundred and fifty dollars on the Friends Blu-ray, so I mean, there's worse things to spend money on. I still need the car. I don't need the little car. Yeah, uh, yeah. I really wish though. The only thing is, I do you see the packaging for it? I really wish it was like the Friends, where it's in this really cool book and it tells you all the episodes. And maybe it does. I don't know. It didn't look like it had one though. It seemed like it was a rectangular box. But did yeah. you see the Halloween box? Yeah, it's it's not paper. I know, it's like little individual Blu-rays. Like if you just bought them separately anyway, yeah. but now you just get a box for all of them to fit together. Yeah, there's a book that goes in it too, but still. I know. I mean, I have it pre-ordered because it's a limited edition. And I was looking... See, that one is... That one the I Friday like. the 13th is cool because like, yeah. the discs are in like, little sleeves and then they have printed like pages and Same stuff. With and like, it's really condensed. It's funny, I was telling my wife about that too because the Chucky is a pretty cool one because um, it folds out and it's pretty nice. Uh, but the Nightmare on Elm Street not nice it's literally a, sl- a slip cover and just the dvds lined up in it mm-hmm. the friday 13th in a really nice book and then this one it's they're black blu-ray cases which is cool but yeah it's like in a rectangular box it's basically like the dick van dyke 
one. Um, yeah. But the, this one, they do have two different levels. I'm getting the limited edition because it comes with three different cuts of the movies. Um, one's really infamous, and the then you can get just the standard edition. It's 10 discs, so it's just basically the theatrical releases of the movies and not as many bonus features. I got the one that's it's 110 right now. I'm sure it'll drop. Um, but it comes with three extra versions of the movies, two extra discs, and a huge book about the retrospective of Halloween. So we'll see. I also pre-ordered the Leprechaun collection. <laughs> it's $30 on Blu-ray, and it comes with a new Leprechaun movie. So I think they think really highly of the new Leprechaun movie. <laughs> Did that go to theaters? Uh, yeah, it comes out on theaters and on demand. I want to say the end of August. The collection I get comes out the end of September. So I'll just wait for it to come out. I'm not going to rush out to see it. Um, so, yeah. Cool. This week we saw Hercules. Brad, should people go see Hercules? Um, It's not great. It's not terrible either. Like It has funny moments, but it's, it's definitely not doing anything to... Um, make film better I guess. <laughs> it's not trying to elevate the medium in any way or impress me yeah uh, here's the thing i actually had fun in the movie i thought the movie was lots of fun but you're right it doesn't really like doesn't advance. most of the lines are really like you've heard them in other movies yeah. like this uh, a lot of the there's like maybe one interesting uh like action device like when uh the rock like kicks that wagon into yeah, the guys. I know, and it does a whoa, nice. But everything else is like, you know, people getting speared or mm-hmm. getting run over by stuff. Like every kind of action uh, shot you've seen before. Yeah. So, um, and the story is not too deep. No. So here's a trailer for Hercules. No matter how fast you run, no matter how far you go. The beast will follow. Man cannot escape his fate. Hercules. Your name is a rallying cry. We all know your legend. You're the son of Zeus. I only want to be a husband and a father. Oh, come on, Miller. You cannot deny what you are. The gods will punish you for it. The gods that killed your family have unleashed hell on Earth. descendants of Hades. They cannot be killed by an ordinary mortal. The people need you. I am no hero. A man with a corpse can be stronger than a god. Wicked some rules to follow. Take revenge for your family. Save these people. And restore order to this world. in this battle. My time's not come yet. Not sure about yours. We will fight for you. 
and we will die for you. Have faith in yourself. Now tell me. Which is funny, the trailer is kind of misleading. Uh, and I guess that's on purpose, because the purpose of this movie is that the legend of Hercules is all stories. And mm -hmm. here's the real story of Hercules and how he defeated the Hydra or the the lion or whatever the case may be. So it's an interesting premise where the man is nowhere near the myth of Hercules, um, if that makes sense. And because in a... The Rock plays Hercules, obviously. You know what I love, though? At the beginning, when his mom was reaching down to get him, her, like, tit was totally hanging out of her, <laughs> like, blouse. <laughs> and she had Almost, to pull it up. Yeah. It was great. What a, like, what a gratuitous... I didn't enjoy the baby dick, though. That was kind of... I didn't want to... <laughs> I, I didn't need that. <laughs> um, I'd rather have that boob. Yeah. It was... Uh, it, was it was interesting. And I, I like the play on the Hercules legend. I like the concept of... You, the, the movie makes you think like you're seeing this movie about this guy who has like superhuman powers and then you basically find out that um his story like that story is exaggerated so he's like a regular guy who's just really smart about battle and stuff yeah and th what they do is uh, they because he plays a mercenary in it and he has like a band of mercenaries and did rufus Sewell get his eye fixed <laughs> did you notice that <laughs> i didn't i didn't notice his eye but i mean i was like oh there's that guy yeah like he usually he has been? a lazy eye. I don't think he had a lazy eye in it. He looks really handsome. I'm sure you can afford it now. Yeah, uh, but in it he has this group of uh, band with him, and how they get more money is they play on this legend of Hercules, where you know he has a PR department. That <laughs> basically, yeah, he has sells his company. To... He, he has the people that sell who he is, and when he shows up at the beginning, he's one man, and he kind of takes these pirates around the corner, and his him and his buddies take care of him. Not that. Hercules is incapable of doing it. He just they just add to his late legend, and so uh, Ian McShane's really great in it. Yeah, um, always fun seeing Ian McShane. It in is, film. even though his character is kind of like. Was that Ray Fiennes? Was the king in that? Joseph Fiennes. Joseph Fiennes. Is that his brother? <laughs> Cousin? I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looked just like him. I'm like, man, he's not in this movie very much, and then he's only in it at the end. And that's that's the thing too. Is you're right. It has so many cliches in it that when. I mean, the story is is Hercules used to be a warrior for Athens, and he comes back with the with the Hydra head, and it's basically just three women that wear skate snakeskin heads, and everybody's in love with him. And then it kind of goes away, and you find out that his family was murdered, um, and that he might be the one who murdered them, and that's why he's kind of this assassin mercenary guy. And as I'm watching it, I said, "Oh, that king! You know he's going to be the guy who's the bad guy." I mean, the John. Spoilers: The John Hurt turn was a little unexpected. Oh, I, I saw that. Did you see it coming? I felt like because the Reese's guy, Reese's pieces. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that sure. they're chasing after. They never show him, and then like we're halfway through the movie already. We have still haven't seen who mm -hmm. the villain is. Like he's just this uh, centaur mm -hmm. apparition. Uh, so I was like, why are they like? Why is this such a big deal? And I was trying to figure out why are they even going. Like I, I, did I miss the exposition about why they have to stop the centaurs from attacking? Like. <laughs> Um, so I was like, I feel like this is a trick <laughs> no. and that these people are actually on the good side. They're trying to stop injustices done to them. Mm, you so, figured it out faster than I did. Yeah. Then. 
Uh, but I, I mean, the movie's serviceable. It's, it's, it's how I feel about a lot of Brat Retner movies. Is he makes things cool looking, but he doesn't do anything special. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll hire him to make a movie, and he'll make the movie, and he'll you'll get exactly what you want. When you hire someone like a Sam Raimi or Steven Spielberg, they add their personalities into the movie. With um, Ratner, I don't feel like he does that in his movies. I, mm-hmm. I think he doesn't make. I don't. I don't think he's a bad filmmaker. I just think he just says, "Okay, cool." In this scene, the lion's going to jump at the rock, and that's what you get. Yeah, <laughs> you don't get. Or uh, hey. Um like a character will be in the throes of danger and then someone from the background will like shoot an arrow and kill the guy yeah. trying to kill them and then they'll have an exchange like that look of like thanks buddy like yeah, that you've yeah, seen yeah, yeah. millions of times over exactly and you're right it's just again I don't think he's a bad filmmaker I mean I think his movies look cool the CGI I, in this is kind of yeah those there, there's some parts bad. in it that there's some parts bad, but it's not there's some parts that look really good but then there's parts at the end where Hercules is pushing over the statue of some goddess chick uh hera hera yeah. yeah hera you're right hera and it looks really bad uh not <laughs> why the... do they build a statue on like little pegs to begin with <laughs> uh, it doesn't look bad when it's falling over but the actions of what happens with the impact looks really bad does that make sense yeah uh and it it has that that we have a lot of money in this movie but we don't have quite enough to make it spectacular because when that Hera statue is falling apart, <laughs> I always get distracted by this. When there's lots of CGI on the screen, sometimes there's little fuzzies everywhere. And that had a bunch of little fuzzies around it mm-hmm. uh, to block out the rest of the screen. Um, I don't know if you noticed stuff. I always noticed I that. Did. I was paying more attention to like, I was like, oh, sweet. John Hurt's going to get annihilated by this statue head. But like he gets just knocked <laughs> yeah, back it, and thrown into the like the ravine. It treats it like it's a bouncy ball. Yeah. It seemed like such a cartoon, this movie. Yeah. Like. Where I would like to see him, you know, just disintegrate. <laughs> yeah, just like this big blood splatter. I mean, yeah. they had no problem showing people getting like slashed up and a butt and a butt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but th- his family being eaten by those wolves was pretty gruesome. Yeah, um, it- it's interesting because I've been really thinking about this a lot lately. After I read an article about how PG thirteen movies have more violence than rated R movies now, and I mean, a movie like this is a perfect example where I don't care about the violence. But, I mean, they had, like, throats being slashed. But just because you do a quick cut, that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the kids being eaten by wolves. and yeah. <laughs> But, hey. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is still a fun movie. I, I, think, I think The Rock is really charismatic on screen. Um, I don't – I think the biggest issue is you've already touched on it is you've heard the speeches before where – you know they're on the battlefield. They're like, "This is your destiny." Yeah, we and fight. they're slightly changing it, so it yeah. feels like they're trying to make something original. But you just know, like, changing a word or two from a speech isn't going to make me forget what exactly. I heard before. And here's the thing: is the one that I always know of, and I think the best one of those speeches. And it might have been kind of why a lot of people do that now is the Braveheart speech. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the one I I turn to and or Gladiator or Gladiator. Yeah. You know, but both those movies came out about the same time. Uh, I think Braveheart was 98, Gladiator was 2000. So they, yeah. ca- I love those speeches. Even, I love The Patriot, but even Mel Gibson repeats his same kind of speech again in The Patriot. Um, and so now it's a cliche. Yeah, we've had 300 the since then. We've had exactly. dozens of these <laughs> yeah. like historical epics. So, where there's always like a battlefield with like a thousand guys. Exactly. And, you gotta, and where you have one strong leader says, 
this is our destiny. This is Sparta. Yeah. And know, then it's... all the fiery arrows <laughs> shoot up in one giant volley at the same time. Just like tons of stuff you've seen before. Yeah. It's not special. I mean, the only cool thing is, is you know, Ian McShane thinks he's going to die that way. Yeah. And he kind of goes out there and just holds up his arms and he doesn't get killed. And I... <laughs> and what's with the beginning of the movie being narrated by the kid who's the storyteller for yeah. the marketing department? And then... Nope, the end is Ian McShane narrating the story. I know, I think it's because Ian McShane has a cooler voice. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, why not just have him at the beginning, too? Because he's, he's the one with the premonitions and everything. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get it because the kid makes up the stories, but it just felt odd that they went to Ian McShane at the end. It like, is. You didn't start the story, dude. <laughs> it is. Uh, I mean, the movies, it's fun. I mean, it's not... I feel like I say this, I've said this about a lot of movies this summer, where they're, lo- they're, they're fun movies, but there's nothing that's really elevating. Um, I mean, I have a sentimental favorite already, but that's just because of who I am. Mm-hmm. I don't... Uh, to, I still think The Edge of Tomorrow might be one of my favorite movies this summer because at least it was unique and trying something different. Um, yeah. I still had fun at Hercules. I mean, it, it's loud and it's cool on the big screen. So, I mean, if you want to see it on the big screen, I definitely recommend it over Lucy. Um and, I mean, it's in 3D, so I'm sure, looking back, a lot of that stuff would make sense in the 3D. Like, there's a lot of stuff yeah. designed for that medium. Yeah. Those snakes at the beginning looked really bad. Yeah. Well. Coming out of Hera's eyes. Yeah. Those looked really bad. Yeah. It's like uh, this weird balance between trying to be a serious thing and then injecting humor into it. There's not... Yeah. The, I don't think the humor... Unless uh, Dwayne Johnson is, like, delivering it. Yeah, but he also, too, he really didn't have very many funny lines in it. And that's right for his character because he's obviously damaged. Um, But, yeah, you're right. It's it's unusual. And the whole playing up, like, giving him a team that works with him, it just screams, like, trying to generate a franchise thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a little off-putting. I mean, if you don't believe us that Dwayne Johnson is a great actor, here's a scene from Hercules with Dwayne Johnson. I don't know which one it is, but I'm sure it's really cool. Doesn't take a vision to know what's waiting for us up there. Excuse me, that was my moment, my fate. You're welcome. Is there one, really? <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's one with Dwayne Johnson okay. on it. It's really uh, frustrating when I edit these and then I go to hey, um, EPK, you... like Snowpiercer, and there's nothing. <laughs> there was no scene there's... from Snowpiercer? No, there's no trailer or anything. Really? I had to get the trailer from YouTube. I didn't do a scene, though, did I? Uh, I don't think you did, but still, it was, like, great. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there is for Hercules. Hercules is a huge movie. Actually, I know there is. I got an email about it. Um, so, yeah. I guess that's really only my quorums. With it. I mean, I still had fun watching it. I mean, it's, it is it is a fun movie. You just got to know that you're going in for a huge uh, action movie cliche, you know? Yeah, sorry, your cat's determined to turn off this it's all right. surge protector. Mia! <laughs> okay. Animals are so annoying sometimes. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah. So next week you won't be here, but me and James are going to see Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, um, and also Andrew from Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics is probably going to be on the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be fun. i got to remind him. So I'll send him an email. Awesome. I can't wait to Sorry get Sorry I won't be able to be here for that. No, it's all right. I, hopefully I can get him on, and we're really looking forward to Guardians. Um, Brad, we'll see you in two weeks for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Have you seen the Have you seen the new trailer for it? Uh, people keep telling me there's like there's so many different TV spots and trailers. I don't care. Like I, I'm going to go see the movie. I, I I might have seen it. I don't know. It looks good. Whatever. Like is is interesting. Actually, I was going to talk to you when I was at the movies with my wife seeing Lucy. They have a huge stand of the turtles at the mills, and Donatello's front and center. It's really weird to me. Um, Donatello is f- the most popular character right now because he really? in the he's, new cartoon. He's my favorite character. I've never seen the new cartoon. Um, I watched an episode. It wasn't good <laughs> uh, by my standards. But um, like Donatello is obviously the nerd, and they play that up way more than they did mm. in the past show. See that's and he also has this crush on April, which is like in that anime style of mm. like how anime characters have crushes on each other. So, see that's a bummer because I always like Donatello because I think he is one of the least popular ones because I always you know he always came up with the cool. I grew up on the cartoon. You grew up on the comics. No, I grew up on the cartoon. Oh, then you went back to the comics? Yeah. So I always loved the cartoon because he's always doing the cool stuff. And um, everybody loved, you know, Michelangelo when I was little. Everybody loved Mikey. Um, and now it's kind of people really like Raphael. I think it's because he's, you know, kind of the wild card. No one is, uh, Who's your favorite? Is, uh, I don't have a favorite, but everyone, yeah. like... Older people like Raphael. Mm-hmm. The new crowd likes Donatello. Weird. Yeah. But I'm the old crowd and I like Donatello. There's like, I guess there's two old crowds. There's like the old crowd, like you, like Donatello, but the old crowd who weren't like avid fans of it. Gotcha. And casual. Um, who like look back at it. They're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, Raphael's the badass. And yeah. I feel like a badass. So I identify with that. Gotcha. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Leonardo's never anybody's favorite. He's two. I think it's because he's. Yeah, he's like the, he's the Superman of exactly. Turtles. Yeah, he just does, always does the right, does the right thing, and um, he's the leader. Nothing really controversial happens to him. Yep. Yeah, Mike, you'll screw up once in a while. Uh, Especially if he gets the wrong type of pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yep. How much pizza did they sell because that movie, that show, was so popular in the nineties? Oh, Pizza Hut! Yeah. Like they're just rolling in money. I know. I just saw a new commercial with them in pizza, on a Pizza Hut commercial that brought back a lot of memories. Yeah. I was uh, talking to someone last night about how it was funny that in the movie Domino's was the delivery. Oh, that's right. But the tie-in was for Pizza Hut, so. It had to have been something they picked up afterwards, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's an independent movie. They say, well, they eat pizza, and Pizza Hut wanted to get on board. Yeah. With the movie already shot or something, you know what I mean? It must have been, yeah, they they, they got Domino's, but like in the contracts or whatever, Domino's was like, ah, I don't know about this Turtles movie. <laughs> yeah. you can It can be in there, but we're not going to do any marketing campaign. Yeah, and then t- pizza's like uh I, I know how much i mean i know pizza hut because of the turtles i'm not joking yeah so you got that they had that whole concert thing tie yeah. in and so you got that cassette with all the songs and yep. you got a certain pizza i guess yep yeah i remember i wanted pizza hut because the turtles were in there my mom got tired of us taking us to pizza hut but i thought that was cool <laughs> kind of miss the old days of going to pizza hut in, like the dining room like, i always love the smell yeah the smell in pizza hut was amazing it's i don't know what anymore. it is now. it no. isn't no it's because obviously they don't use the same ingredients they did back when we were kids <laughs> yeah. in their fast food chains. It's more streamlined and yeah. watered down. More profit. That sucks. Yeah. Oh, well, I still might order the Turtles pizza that they have. I don't know. It's like pizza cheesy bites. 
I'll get that. The turtles, the turtles approve. That's one of my favorite scenes from the first one. It slices, it dices, it makes French fries in three different sizes, and the pizzas fall on their heads. Oh, being a kid. Till next week. Bye. Turtle power. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.